We are uh, in the second part of our series called May Miracles. Turn to the person next to you and say, May Miracles. And uh, if you've been following the hashtag a little bit, there were some other people that beat us to the hashtag, but we don't care. We're going to bombard them. And we have had so many crazy, amazing testimonies. I mean, uh, Kevin and Kasia, they uh, hadn't had a, he hadn't had a job for a year. And just, uh, just kind of, Lord, how do I go about doing this? He's also in school. And uh, there was this perfect place that he wanted to be, and he went and applied. And you know how that takes. It takes usually about six months. They hired him on the spot, making more money than he thought they were going to pay him. King Jesus. Uh, the, 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 uh, our, our kids director, uh, he, he's, he hadn't hashtagged it yet, but he, he called us and said, so uh, an opportunity came open at our job. And I went ahead and said, yeah, I'd like to go into that promotional plan. And uh, two days later, they promoted him. He had a 25% increase in pay. Beginning of last week, he was making one price. End of last week, he was making something else. Come on, Jesus. Somebody say, May Miracles. So with that being said, if you missed last week's uh, message, you can go back and hear it on podcast. But what we did was we set the premise that our God is a God of miracles. Do you believe that? Please say yes. And that our God, because he's a God of miracles, he wants to do miracles in our lives. That miracles did not stop with the New Testament church. They didn't stop with the book of Acts. Somebody say amen. In fact, we're living Acts, you know, chapter 29, which is, it only goes 28 chapters. We're at Acts 29. We're going to continue to move in the things of God. And, and I was telling the first service how miserable of a Christian walk to simply try not to be bad and try to be good and go to church and give some money. That is not at all what Jesus intended. He intended that you and I would walk like he walked, do what he did. And we'll prove that with our key scripture today. Before we do that, let's jump straight into Boudreaux because it's a good time for Boudreaux. Father Boudreaux was driving down the road there towards Lafayette when he got stopped speeding. The highway patrol officer smelled alcohol on the priest's breath and then saw an empty wine bottle on the floor of the car. He said, Father Boudreaux, have you been drinking? Only water, my son, said Father Boudreaux. The policeman asked, then how come I can smell wine? The priest looked at the bottom and went, he's done, done it again. All right, with that being said, John chapter 14 and verse 12. Some of you ex-Catholics get that real well. The rest of you are like, what? John chapter 14, verse 12 is our key verse today. Look what it says. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This is Jesus speaking. And this is our key verse for today. Our message today is faith. Everybody say faith. faith. The key, one of the key components to see in the supernatural, it boils down to our faith. Jesus starts off this by saying, anyone who has faith in me, if you have faith in Jesus, let me see your hand. Just see a couple of, all right, half of you. Good job. All right, no, all of you. He says, if you have faith in me, then you can do what I've been doing. Now, let's talk about what Jesus did. He, mm, I don't know. Healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils. He stopped Katrina. He, uh, you know, he, I mean, literally, he cursed fig trees and they shriveled up and died. And he said, greater works than these will you do. Isn't that powerful? And so the key component to this is according to what he said is if you have faith in me. I think the problem, why you and I don't see miracles in our life, it comes down to our faith. Now, I was telling the earlier service, you know, I, 
some of us have had some similar experiences. I know a lot of people who struggle to believe in miracles. And the reason why they struggle to believe in miracles is a couple of things. Number one, because they grew up like I did in a place where they didn't believe in miracles. When I, when I was wicked, my, my family and I were very wicked. We got radically saved. And the church we got saved in taught that that had all kind of, it had been whisked away. It was needed to birth the church, uh, but it wasn't needed to sustain the church. That we don't really see miracles like that anymore. And they're not really needed anymore, so God doesn't really do them. And so as a result, that's what I believe because that's what someone told me early on in my faith. And so when I begin to experience stuff outside of that, then I begin to say, wait a minute, God does do miracles. And then I'll never forget seeing the person get healed. And we were in a service, and, and this man started running around the church, and they let him up on the stage, and he testified. He said, Pastor, for 20-something years, I've had problems with my back. They, they, multiple times, they were going to do operations to fuse those, you know, those uh, vertebrae, and, the, and, and we stopped at the last second because it was probably going to paralyze me. And, and I've suffered for 20 years. And while we were worshiping, all of a sudden, God did something, and all of a sudden, that vertebrae shifted into place. I felt it shift. I felt like what was warm, hot oil go down my back. And he took off running and said, I just, I just had to test the Lord in it. And pastor, I want you to know I've been healed. I didn't believe in miracles, but when I heard that man's testimony, something started happening inside of me. Are you with me? So people have struggled to believe in miracles, maybe some of you, because of charlatans, because we've seen the fakes. We've seen the guys who push people down. And I'll never forget that. You know, I was, I was in a situation uh, not so long ago where I was the head of a Bible school and this person was invited by somebody else to be a guest speaker, so they were there ministering, and they decided, you know, they were going to lay hands on people, and they started praying for people. People started falling down, slain in the spirit, and they looked over at me, and you could see it in their eyes. If I can get Pastor Adam to fall, that'll validate my ministry. And they said, Pastor, stand up. I said, no, I'm all right. I said, Pastor, stand up. The glory of God wants to fall on you. I said, no, I'm okay, really. You just keep ministering. I think we're good. There's no reason to do a showpiece here. You just go ahead and keep, come on, Pastor. And they ran over to me and they started putting, I said, hey, you need to back off. First off, this ain't your house, it's my house. And you're moving in selfish ambition. And so some of us have seen that, and so therefore we said, then it's all fake. And so what I want to help you with today is to build back our faith. And so as we jump in, there are three takeaways that I want you to get today. There are three big takeaways. The first takeaway I want you to walk away with, and we'll, ju- we'll dive into these a little clearer. But first takeaway is I want you to believe again that faith is the conduit from which the supernatural can move. It really is the conduit. It's the, it's the lane on the highway by which the supernatural and God wants to move in your life. It comes back to your faith. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the extension cord plugged into one end uh, to God and plugged into you. Your faith is the extension. It's the conduit. The second big takeaway I want you to have today is that faith and unbelief war for dominance inside of us all. It's true. And the third big takeaway you're going to get today in Jesus' name is that miraculous faith or miracle faith requires action. Do you believe that? Say yes. Come on, do you believe that? Say yes. So let's start first with our first point, and that is faith is the conduit. Look at Matthew chapter 8, and we're just going to look at a couple of key scriptures here where we see uh, Jesus at work and what he says about some of the supernatural things that he's performing and experiencing. In Matthew chapter 8 is the story of the centurion. The centurion comes to him. He's a Roman centurion. He's not Jewish. He doesn't believe in Jehovah, or he hasn't been trained that way, but he believes in Jesus. And he understands something supernatural is happening through this man who the Jews may or may not believe are the Messiah who's been prophesied about. But nonetheless, and the centurion comes to him, he's got a servant who's dying. And he comes and he humbles himself. And literally in one of the passages it says that the leaders of the area, the Jewish leaders said, Hey, listen, Jesus, you need to, do a hook. You need to hook this guy up for us because it'll make it easier for the politics of the city. If you do something, this guy's pretty influential. If you could help us with this, that'd be great. And so the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, Sir, I am a man in authority. 
I'm a man under authority. I'm a man with authority. I say to this one, go, and they go. And I say to this one, come, and they come. As well, I'm told to go and come. And sir, I don't even deserve to have you under my roof. If you will just simply speak the word, I know it will happen for my daughter. Jesus pauses everything and goes, whoa, come here, all of y'all. In all of Israel, I hadn't seen such great faith. Let's pick up there. And when Jesus then says in verse 13, you see it up there on the screen. He says, uh, go, it will be done just as you what? Believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour because of his what? Faith. Not because of his prayer. Not because of his righteousness. Not because of the tithes and offerings that he'd been given. Because he believed. Because he had faith. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Look at Matthew chapter 9. A couple of key ones in this passage. There's one right here about the paralytic and his friends. So you got this man who's paralyzed and, 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 and his friends literally try to get him to Jesus. But there's a crowd in the home, in the home where Jesus is ministering. At. And so they go up on the roof, they rip the roof open, and they begin hoisting him down. And as they hoist him down, Jesus kind of looks up and he says, wow, look at this guy. And look how he responds to him. He says, when Jesus saw their Say it out loud, there. Whose faith? Who's theirs? His friends. Stay with this. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And after he smacks around the religious leaders over this theology, he then says, Go ahead, take up your mat and take off running. And the guy does, he's totally healed. He does it based on not on the man's, not on the man's um, uh, religious stature, not on the man's uh, poli- uh, uh, his policies and, and, and procedures in his business, not based on whether he's a Democrat or Republican. He based it on his Faith, and not just his faith, but the faith of his friends alone. See, faith is the conduit through which the supernatural moves. And the problem for most of us is that faith is lacking in many of us. Look at Matthew chapter 9, further down, close around the verse 22 range. It's this woman with the issue of blood. And this woman, according to Scripture, she's been uh, diagnosed, and she has this bleeding issue for 12 years she's suffered. Many theologians say that it's uh, within her female organ. She's probably cramped over. She's bleeding from this, from this type of position. And as a result, she has gone from doctor to doctor and spent all she had and is still bleeding. She hears about Jesus coming to a town nearby. And so she gets on the journey. She gets there early, and she's waiting on the side of the road, Adam McCain version. And as she's waiting, all of a sudden Jesus comes into town. There's a great entourage because by this point, we see all these miracles are happening, and the crowds are so pressed around him. And so she has to make a decision. And she says, you know what? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that's enough. And so she begins to push through the crowd. She's kicking, I imagine. She's pushing. Get out of here, you young person. And she's pushing and screaming. And and all of a sudden, she reaches out as Jesus is walking. And she touches the hem of his garment. And immediately, the Bible says, she was healed. Power left him. And Jesus stops and goes, hey, somebody touched me. And Peter's like, "Um, yeah, everybody's touching you. No, no, somebody touched me different. Power has left me. Who was it? And the Bible says, knowing that she could not go unnoticed, she comes and presents herself to Jesus. And Jesus looks at her. Here we go, verse 22. He says, he turned and he saw her. And he said, take heart, daughter. Your your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that very moment. Listen to me, her faith, Jesus didn't make an appointment with her. Jesus didn't lay hands on her. Now, either Jesus is being manipulative and, and, being, and, 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 and faking this out, or this is true. It says he didn't even know who touched him. He didn't determine to heal her. Come on, stay with me. He didn't make a point 
that, that, that this woman would, would get healed. He didn't walk in and say, all right, guys, watch this. Some lady's about to touch the hem of my garment. Power's going to happen, and then I'm going to fake it and be like, oh, my goodness, who touched me? Who was that? It's not at all what happened. He is walking through the city, and somebody with faith pushed through and touched. See, here's the problem. When you and I get so caught up in wanting to be mm, childish, and God, if you don't come to me on my terms, then I won't believe in you. That's the problem with your faith. This woman said, I don't care if he stops. He don't even have to touch me. He doesn't even have to pay attention. He don't have to know my name. All I need him to do is get close enough where I can touch him. And power will generate from him to me, and I'll be made whole. Twelve years broke. Come on now. Spent all her money. And in a moment, totally healed. Look at this last one. We'll just cover this one right here in chapter 15. The Canaanite woman. This is, the young, this is the woman who's not an Israeli. She's a Canaanite woman. She's considered, mm, I don't know, not as good as the Israelites, by the Israelites. Jesus, knowing the cultural prejudice of his time, this woman uh, pushes her way past the disciples. She's wearing them out. She makes her way to Jesus. He's reclining at a table. And she begins to beg and plead for her daughter, who's demonized, to be delivered. And Jesus, loving, sweet, kind, beautiful Jesus looks at her and says, it's unfit to give the children's food to their dogs. What? You're prejudiced too? (sighs) He offends her. And instead she responds, yes, Lord. But even the crumbs that fall off the children's table, the dogs get to eat. And he stops and he goes, let me tell y'all something. Now, this is the kind of faith I'm talking about. And that very hour, you look on the screen, that very hour her daughter was healed. Here's the problem. Most of us will not believe God for things because the moment he offends us, we quit. Jesus, I believe, did this on purpose so that you and I could know a principle in Scripture. And that is this, that he is God and we are not. And no matter how we see it or how we feel about it, he's still God. And yet, though he slay me, will I praise him. Even if he offends me, I'll stay, I'll stay in faith with him. Even if he doesn't turn his attention towards me and everyone's pushing and he seems too busy for me, I will push everybody out the way and get to him. See, there's a difference in faith when you say, you know what, I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to have what God has for me. I don't care what everybody says Jesus is like. I know what he's like. I know if I can just get to him. And even if he offends me, even if he breaks my heart, I will still serve him for he is God. And this is where the church in the United States is struggling because the moment they don't get it the way they want, they quit on God. Well, I thought he was going to heal my grandmother. If I find another person says, you know what, I, I just, I'm just, I just, the church hurt me. The church just hurt me. Welcome to life. Welcome to life. And so the Department of Transportation hurt me, and so did the guy online who stole my stuff. Welcome to life. It's just people. But I know this, that he'll never leave me or forsake me. That he's got the hairs on my head numbered. According to first, uh, Ephesians 1.4, that before the foundations of the earth, he picked me. He chose me. He loves me, and he has a plan and purpose for my life. And friend, when you and I are able to mature past the little offenses, Jesus threw that little offense out to see how this woman would respond. She responded properly, and he called it great faith. Great faith. You want to see the supernatural in your life like I do? Listen, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't want to be a part of a church where people just come and get their little Christian fix and then go home. That's not, what I'm, that's not what we are. We're the body of Christ. We're living the most powerful moment in history. 
with the Holy Spirit living and abiding in us, we can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out. We can live. And we can be what Jesus was. We can do what Jesus did. Either his scriptures were true, where we just quoted that passage in John, or he's a liar. He said, listen, what you, if you have faith in me, you can do what I was doing and even beyond that. I want to live that life, don't you? The excitement of Christianity is not just trying not to be bad. Oh, man, I went and had a beer again. Oh, my goodness, that, that cocaine started calling. Ah, oh, I cussed my wife again. Listen, friend, that's, listen, that's not the exciting part of Christianity is when you and I get enough faith inside of us that we start praying for a coworker and that coworker gets healed. When you and I start putting on Facebook, I will never leave him or forsake him. He's my God and I'll not surrender back to that old lifestyle. And people respond and say, oh, my God, that's changing my life. You, I know who you you the guy who was always beating up there you'd have been the biggest bully ever and now you're talking about faith and jesus christ wow you're changing my life when you and i start living in the supernatural it'll make life worth living it won't be mundane and boring and and oh i just want to survive listen i don't want to survive i want to thrive isn't that who you are say yes. yes so let me tell you our second big point that i want you to take away and that is this and that just because we have faith doesn't mean we also don't have unbelief See, I believe what's happening in all of us is the battle between faith and unbelief. And that's why we make that our second point. Put it on the screen. Faith and unbelief war for dominance inside of all of us. It does inside of me. It does inside of you. And we all have to battle through faith and unbelief working at the same time. Let me, let me qualify that. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Sorry if we read scripture today. You guys love Jesus? You love the word? Okay, good. Good. I don't want to just tell stories. I want to tell Jesus. So in Mark chapter 9, or again, for you guys that are dyslexic, that'd be crammed. And verse 21, it says, And Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? And let me set the preference here. Uh, what happened was this man comes to Jesus' disciple. He has a son who has demons. And these demons throw him into the fire and then throw him into the water to the lake to try to kill him. And so he goes to Jesus' disciples because, you know, they're kind of the outer circle, keeping Jesus protected from all the people who want to get his attention. And they go to pray with him and minister to him, and they can't get him delivered, and so the father's pretty frustrated about it. And so then they bring him to Jesus, and this is where we pick up right here. And so Jesus asked him, so how long has he been like this? He said, from childhood, verse 22, he's often thrown into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. And then look in verse 23, Jesus' response. Jesus went, all get up. If I could do anything, hold up. Did y'all hear what he said? If I, if I can do anything. Are you serious? Like, 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 are you talking to me? If I can do anything. And in the midst of this guy, I realized, oh, I'm an idiot. And he says this statement, and this is the statement I want you to hone in on. Look, look, he says this in verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. See, here's the problem. We've got faith and unbelief at war inside each and every one of us. Each and every one of us do. And so, so you've got, you got to understand, I've seen enough people push people down when they're praying for people that I have to be careful that I even believe that I'm laying hands on people and it's legitimate if they fall under the power of God. Because I've seen so much misappropriation of it. And I want to show you how that works. So in you and I, in, in our life, let me illustrate this. Each one of us have a little bit of faith and unbelief at war inside of us. So here's what happens. When you and I have grown up to some, like the way I was raised where we didn't believe in miracles. And then, and then what happened was then I saw miracles. When I saw those miracles for the first time, guess what it did? It started building my faith. I had faith all of a sudden. Man, God can do this. That's awesome. And I'll never forget praying for that person who had a cold, and I prayed for I just knew God was going to heal them, and they didn't get healed. So guess what that did? It forced unbelief into my life. 
And so now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden I'm thinking next time I go to pray for somebody, which one of these am I going to trust in? Am I going to trust that God said? Or, man, I don't know, but the last time I tried that, that happened. And so what's going on in each and every one of us, we have faith, but we also have unbelief. And unbelief, many times, is screaming so much louder than everything else. Because then we start trying to justify it. And where you see bad doctrine and bad theology come, it's because of unbelief. And the Bible says it like this in the book of Romans. He says, listen, the mind, the mind led by the spirit is life. But the mind led by the sinful nature literally leads to death. And so what's happening is you and I are constantly in battle. Lord, is that really you? Am I making it up? Am I really supposed to tell that person that? Or is that just me? And we're struggling to literally walk and believe because we have unbelief. I can't tell you how many people I've ministered to over the years who said, Pastor, I believe this but I struggled to believe that. And the reason why is because unbelief has crept in. I believe that God will save people, but I don't believe he'll heal people. Why is that? Because unbelief has gotten in because of something they experienced or something someone told them or something that they have a point of reference for. And so what happens is, like with this dad, he has gone from person to person. He finally gets to the camp of Jesus, and the guys, the disciples, his representatives, can't get his boy healed. All that does, the moment that happens, and those, when Peter and them pray for the kid and nothing happens, all of a sudden it just increases his unbelief. Then when he stands in front of Jesus, guess what he's got more of? Unbelief. So he stands before Jesus listen, sir, please have pity. He's got to have some kind of faith or he wouldn't be standing there. You've got to have some kind of faith or you wouldn't be here today. There's faith in you. You love God. The problem is you're not sure if he loves you sometimes, depending on who preached what to you. You're not sure if you're good enough, depending on what someone preached or something you heard or something you read or something you saw. And so what happens is unbelief is at bound. And in the midst of this whole conversation, Jesus looks at him, rolls his neck, and this man has a revelation. Oh, my Jesus. OMJ. Um, sir, please help my unbelief. Sir, I recognize that I've got a battle raging inside of me. It's so funny because depending on where you come from, people with great faith, if they're not careful, they'll look at someone who's struggling with unbelief and try to dominate them. Right? Brother, just believe. Just If you fast more, if you pray more, how did you believe? I did. And you're like, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't got it. Why? Because I have some life experience that's created that unbelief. I've got some experiences, uh, and I grew up with a grandmother who was bitter at life, the world, and God. My grandfather left her for another woman, left her with three kids for another woman, walked away from her. She had given up a college education to marry him. She'd given him three kids against the doctor's orders that she wouldn't be able to give birth and probably kill her, and she did it anyway, put her life in jeopardy, and then this man walked away from her. And I want you to know something. My grandmother was a bitter little old lady. And I want you to know, by the time I came around, her daughter is pregnant out of wedlock, and now she's got a grandson. She's half taken care of that, and I'm the pro That's me. And let me tell you something. We were scared of everything. Don't do that. You'll die. Don't do this. You'll die. Don't do that. You'll die. Oh, don't trust men. All men in authority are wicked. So I hated men in authority. Hated you. If you were a coach, I hated you. Don't even know why. I just hated you because you was a man in authority. Because my grandmother said all men in authority are wicked. Why? Because she put unbelief in me because of what she experienced. So when I get saved and become a Christian, and now I have a pastor in my life who goes to correct me, yeah, you won't. I bet you won't tell me that. 
I bet you won't. Or I had a coach who tried to correct me. <laughs> Never forget the first time a coach hit me, slapped me, because I wasn't paying attention. I was mad at him in the in heat of a game. He slapped me. Hey, pay attention. And I reared up. I said, if you ever touch me again, I will cut you in little. They won't find the parts of your body. They'll be scattered all over Louisiana. You will be alligator bait. Do you understand me? Here I am a little short. I will kill you. I will cut you. You could see this man like, oh my God, this kid's got issues. <laughs> yes, I did. I have faith that, I'll never forget the first time somebody did me dirty in ministry. I'll never forget the first pastor that we had that I loved that was cheating on his wife with some women in our church. I can't tell you what it did to me. I started watching all pastors. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I know you. Mm -hmm. What did it do? It created unbelief. So God's called us to a life of supernatural lifestyle. He's called us to trust him in a way that's it doesn't work for the rest of the world. It's, the Bible calls it foolishness to the world. But for us to walk in faith, we literally have to build it. We're going to talk about that towards the end of this message. But the third point that I want you to catch today, you still there? Say yes. Yes. Third point that I want you to catch today is that is miracles require faith. Hebrews eleven six says it like this, but without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God, King James for you guys, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ? Awesome. So you got half of it. Do you believe that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him? Okay, so what are we talking about? Are we talking about he will reward you for praying more than everybody else? Reading your Bible more than everybody else? That's not at all what he's talking about. He, he, will, he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. In other words, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you spend time with me, you'll become like me. You'll have my nature and my characteristics. My power will flow through you even as you diligently seek me. You'll learn to be like me. That's what this is talk, talking about. Not about your dead religious acts. It's talking about knowing him, being like him. If you seek him, you will find him. Listen, some of you think I can only go so far in Christ. I can't be a pastor. Some of you think that be, going to seminary makes you more anointed than everybody else. That's why I refuse to let just the leaders pray for us during prayer time. Because I want you to know I'm putting into practice our belief and our doctrine. And that is that every man and woman who loves Jesus Christ, that calls upon his name, can do what Jesus did. Can be what Jesus was. And so that person sitting next to you, you may, know, they, you may be married to them and you know they got faults. Let me tell you something. You know they got weaknesses. Let me tell you something. That same person can be used by God just like you can, just like I can't come on somebody and so when we diligently seek him he will reward us with his presence and his nature and his characteristics as we go after him this is the passionate walk of christ this is the supernatural life by which you and i are called to and this is what made miracles look like but it requires action see this verse is action that's the beginning of chapter 11 of Hebrews. And ha chapter 11 by Hebrews, uh, excuse me, chapter uh, 11 of Hebrews is considered by most the, the, um, the, the, the people of heroic faith throughout Scripture. And it goes through and starts listing some of them. And I'll just kind of jump around on some of them. You can look down in chapter 11 at another time. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice. He did something. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience life. By faith, Noah built an ark. You know how long Noah built an ark? A hundred years. Somebody say faith. faith. 
Now you think about 100 years. How many of you guys are 100 years old? How many of you worked at the same job for the last 100 years? Exactly. Can you imagine the neighbor, new to the neighborhood? Hey, what's that guy doing back there? Oh, that's Noah. <laughs> He's building a boat. It's going to flood or something. We're all going to die. I know, right? He's, he's the guy. <laughs> you gotta, everybody's got to have one in their neighborhood. That's ours, Noah. Yeah, he's kind of crazy. You ought to see what he's done to Home Depot. I mean, he, oh, my goodness. He's bought out everything. It's unbelievable. I don't know where he gets the money from. But supposedly all the animals are going to jump in the boat. We're all going <laughs> to Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Can you imagine being the butt of all the jokes? It's raining, Noah! You know, every year, like, oh, water splashing my face in my shower. I'm going to drown. Call Noah. You know, I mean, uh, every one of the jokes, he was the butt of it. By faith, he didn't just start building an ark. He kept building an ark. You see, faith has another piece to it. It's not just believing once. It's continue to believe that God's on your side and that God's working on your behalf. And faith requires action. Noah got out there and he kept hammering. Not a cloud in the sky. He keeps hammering. He keeps sawing. 25 years into it. How many of you been doing the same job for 25 years waiting for a miracle? Well, when you get to 100, you can com- complain. Until that time, just keep, keep walking in faith. And these listings of faith are action pieces. Pastor Sean, one of our leaders in our church, one of our network pastors, had a great testimony that I, we captured on video. I want to take a moment and play that. It's about two minutes to hear what God did for him. Recently, I got hired into a small startup company, and um, I quickly got promoted actually into outside sales, which I'd never done before. And so when I got there, I actually got trained by the current sales associate who told me the only way I was going to be successful in my job is by lying to people. And I looked at him, and I said, well, I'm I'm not going to lie to people. He said, well, you just have to do little lies. Uh, Just kind of get yourself in there. That way you can actually close the deal. And I said, I don't think you understand this whole not lying thing. It's not going to happen. And so actually a week later, he quit. So I'm left all by myself. And um, I'm starting to kind of go through. I'm still trying to make sales. And the CEO pulls me into his office and asks me, you know, how are things going? I mentioned this conversation I had with this other sales associate. And he looked at me and said, well, yeah, sales is manipulation. And I looked at him and I said, I understand that's what you think, and that's why my prayer has been, Lord, as I walk as a man of integrity, show yourself strong. I said, when I make this company $4,000 in the next two weeks, will you trust I can do my job? He said, yes. I said, then either God will come through or I'll look like a fool. And so I walked out of his office and I said, God, what did I just say? And I just threw my hands up and said, well, either you'll come through or I'll look foolish. And so the next week, I didn't have any sales. I get up to Friday. I have a half an hour left of my shift. And out of nowhere, somebody calls me and says, we need to get something online now. And they ended up bringing in $4,100 within that two-week period, just like I told the CEO. Now, also, at the same time, I told the Lord, hey, if my integrity needs to be challenged on this, I said, Lord, I want you to make my sales look like this guy's never existed. And so sure enough, I actually tripled that company's sales production. I was the highest grossing sales associate they ever had. I brought in over $300,000 within a, about a nine-month period, all because I stood for integrity and God showed himself strong. I, I, sometimes we take faith and we try to apply it just to, quote, you know, Christian thingies. What about the daily life? That's what faith is all about. Can you believe that your wife's heart will be turned back towards you yeah. as you learn to walk? in faith with the Lord.
Can you believe that God, say, God, I, I need you to help me with some of these things. And so, again, our problem is, is that we've got more unbelief many times than we have faith in certain subjects and certain situations. For example, Jamie and I lost three children. She testified about it. And, um, and it was a real tough place for us. They, they died in the womb. And so I never forget, Jamie and I were preaching out of town one time. And I'm standing there, and I feel the Spirit of the Lord on me. And before I know it, I have declared, Jamie and I have lost three children in the womb. So we have an anointing to get people healed who've lost children and can't have babies. If that's you, come forward. And as it rolled off my tongue, I went, oh, snap. What did I just do? And so people come running. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, come quick, quick, quick. Maybe she's got a lot of faith. <laughs> so we start laying hands on people, and we start praying for people. Supernatural things started happening. We got back uh, two, three, four months later. We started getting emails and reports. One couple had twins. They couldn't have kids, and they were pregnant with twins. I was like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> On the other hand, I pray for people with just a cold, and it's like, you know, Okay, I hope it works, you know, kind of thing. Why? Because I have faith when it comes to, the, to this thing because I've seen some great results. I've seen God do some supernatural things. I struggle with unbelief in some other areas where I don't feel like God's really moved when I prayed for people. I've had times where I prophesied and it just rocked everybody's world. And I was like, this is God. And then I've had these moments where I missed it and they were like, nah, that ain't me, bro. I don't know who you're talking about. And then what did it do? It built my unbelief. So you and I have to kill our unbelief while building our faith. And I want to give you a couple ways to build your faith, and then we'll start closing out in the next three hours. Okay, so first off, number one, building our faith, you and I need to limit the source of unbelief. You need to limit the sources of unbelief. You need, you need to limit this stuff. You need to get it out. So you say, what are some sources of unbelief? Listen, have that music you listen to is killing you. Seriously. It's killing you. You're struggling to have clean thoughts. Well, stop, stop listening to that. You're sucking that in. And, and it's putting that unbelief. And, you know, some of you, especially you guys that like the old country music, you know, my dog was hit by my truck that just got repossessed. Now I'm sitting in jail and I can't take a shower, you know, whatever else y'all are listening to. And for you, you got all this un- unbelief. Is just, and some of you guys, you know, you, you, you can't believe in the rapture because you're watching all these zombie apocalypse shows on TV, you know. Like, you know, anybody gets a cough, you're like, huh, they're going to become zombies. We're all going to die. It's like, are you kidding me? And the reason why, why? Because you're taking in all of these sources. Now, some of it you can't help. You're married to them. What you, what you can do is you can limit You can limit it, though. You can say, listen, I love you. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to pray because I want to commit suicide after listening to you for 10 minutes. And seriously, I, I limit how much news I watch. After I watch CNN, and, 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 you know, after I watch CNN, then, you know, all the Republicans are demonized, and they're stealing away, and they're, and after I watch Fox News, you know, uh, Obama's the Antichrist, and by the end of it all, I'm so confused, and I'm so, we're all, we just, we just all need to go commit suicide in a giant pack and drink the red Kool-Aid because the end of the world's coming because our government's so terrible. After watching that, and I have to get back in my prayer clause and say, wait a minute, I know who holds the king's heart in the palm of his hand. My God will not leave me nor forsake me. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And i got to build up my faith. Why? Because the source of unbelief has just literally drenched me. And if you're not careful, and I don't know what that is. Maybe you've been listening to podcasts you need to stop listening to. I have a friend who loved God with all of his heart, and he started listening to these podcasts. He wanted to be an intellectual. Before you knew it, he didn't believe God was there, and he didn't believe the Bible was accurate. And he quit. Now he's an atheist. 
Why? Because of the sources. So you say, oh, you intellectual people say, yeah, it takes so much. Uh, you have to be so um, uh, immature. You have to be so simple-minded to believe the Bible. You know what? That's true. You do. That's what faith is. It's trusting a God that can do supernatural things through your life. But the problem with the intellectual side of all of us is then we tra- start trying to explain it. And I say it like this. The moment you start trying to dissect who God is, you literally kill faith in your life. You say, what are you talking about? I would illustrate that like this. The moment I try to cut open the bird to try to figure out how he works and how he flies, I've now killed him from flying. And faith is trusting a God that you do not see. Trusting a God who's at work in your life. You say, oh, but I want to dissect it. I want to get my arms around it. That's why you can't have faith because faith is like this. According to Proverbs, it says it like this, that God, he conceals the matter. And men go and search out a matter. What makes him God is that we don't understand him. What makes him God is we can't put our arms around eternity. Think about forever for a few minutes. I did that one night for about three hours. Almost, I just almost just blew up. Like, so after a million years, what you going to You're going to reset and all the bad people get out of hell? Nope. Uh. So like 10 million years? Forever. And the reason why we can't grasp that is because we're a created being. We're like a 286. Remember those computers? Go try to put something new on that 286 computer and watch it. And so when you and I, in our finite, in our, in our minuscule abilities as, human, uh, as humans, try to grasp the great and wonderful God, we begin to struggle. It literally struggles. It, it, it bores down our hard drive just a little. The reason why is because we're trying to dissect instead of accept the God of the universe and his holy scriptures. That's what faith is. So the first thing I would encourage you to do is, number one, limit the sources that bring you unbelief. The second thing I would encourage you to do is increase the faith sources. Just start building that faith inside of you. Now, one couple of things that I do is, man, I am all about getting in the scripture. Uh, last month, I went all through Proverbs because I looked up and I said, man, I've got some amazing people in this church. I need some wisdom on how to help them. They have some situations, Lord, that I don't know what I would tell them to do. Lord, give me wisdom. Proverbs is, a, is the book of wisdoms and into, you know, uh, in, 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 into Song of Solomon and some of those other passages, Lord, Ecclesiastes. Wisdom, Lord, give me wisdom. And so I, I went into that. And then this month, I was so frustrated about some things. I mean, we have had storms four weeks in a row. I mean, there are people that haven't been to church in a month that I love. And I know why. It's like, man, it's raining. Let's just watch a movie. And I know they need God, and I know I need them, and they need me. And it's kind of just, so you know what? I started going through Psalms. And David said, you hide me under the shadow of your wings. The Lord, David said, when I come into the sanctuary, I'll not keep my lips pressed. I will sing out for the goodness of my God, for he has delivered me out of the snare of the fowler. And he begins to just rejoice. And it just, boy, it just started encouraging, started building my faith. And before I knew it, I was like my pastor used to say, I was ready to go bear hunting with a switch. I was just like, let's go get him. Ah! Why? Because my faith was high. That's why some of you guys that went to youth camp back in the day, you'd come back for youth camp, and we're going to change the world. Hallelujah. And you were fired up. Why? Because your faith was high. But then you got three weeks into it, and all the mess has happened, and everybody's gossiping, talking about it, about you, and nobody else sitting next to you at lunch. And all of a sudden now, your unbelief is high and your faith is low. That's why we got to constantly be building and rebuilding our faith. Do you get it? Say yes. yes. Come on. Do you get it? Say yes. yes. So it doesn't mean that you were more spiritual 20 years ago and you're less spiritual now. It just means you got a lot more life experience and probably a lot more unbelief that you're trying to fight off. 
That's what it, so that's why you got to get some experiences to build back up your faith. And you do that by bringing those sources back around, getting back in the Word. Listen, that's why we're doing mission trips, because when you get out on the mission field, and that little person who's got a, a little bum leg, and there are no doctors for 50 miles around, and you lay your hands on them, and they go, you go, whoa! And you're like, I can't wait to get back to work. I can't wait to hit Susie Gossip. I'm going to nail her with a word from the Lord. Why? Because all of a sudden now faith is back high again and unbelief is down low because it's, it's what's at war inside of us. And the last and final piece that I would encourage you to do, and that's number three on building our faith, is try something by faith. Try something by faith. I'm so proud. There's a family in our church. We were trying, we were trying to do a missions trip, and, and, uh, and, and all the people who signed up for it couldn't go at the la- you know, halfway into it. They said, no, nah, we're not going to go. And this one family said, we still want to go. And our missions director's like, I don't really know if we can pull it off now. There's nobody wanting to go. And their small group leader jumped in and said, I'll go with them. And this family is taking their children on a missions trip, going to go live out in the middle of nowhere and minister to people. They're doing something. Yeah. And they're going to experience miracles. It's going to build their faith. It's going to strengthen them. Why? Because they're out trying something. You say, well, I've never prayed for anybody to get healed. I know, because you never prayed for anybody to get healed. I've never given anybody a word. I know, because you never get anybody a word. You know, I, you know, I just, I just seem, I, it just seems like everybody in my life is always putting me down. That's right, because you never put anybody up. So you've got to step out and you've got to try some things. I'll never forget the first time God told me to tell somebody something. I was, I was sweating bullets. I was binding the devil. It can't be God. He would not let, want me to confront somebody I don't know and tell them something. It can't be a Lord. There's no way. My pastor made me go out witnessing. Made me go out witnessing. I avoided everybody on the street until I got under the bridge, and I was hiding, hoping no one, and all of a sudden there was a guy standing there, uh, uh, sleeping there who was a bum. You know, he, uh, he's a homeless gentleman, not a bum. He's a homeless gentleman. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, um, um, we're just out here telling people about Jesus. He goes, hey, Seuss, I know him. I was like, no, no, Jesus Christ, and and he's like, yeah, I know about that. Man, you ought to pray for me because I just had such a bad life. I was like, really? I never prayed for anybody. So I said, okay. He said, you need, you need to pray for me to get right with God right now. Leave me in a sinner's prayer. I was like, oh, I don't know how to say that. Um, um, see, how does pastor do that? But I'm standing there. I'm doing something. I'm scared to death. And I just, I just say, okay, we'll say this. And we say, God. He's like, God, um, I'm wicked. All right, well, I'm wicked. I know that, son. I was like, yeah, oh, forgive me, forgive me, amen. He's like, well, that wasn't that good, but, you know, thanks for doing it, you know. <laughs> Guess what happened? Now I'm like, bring somebody else on. I went out in the parking lot. You! Why? Because faith. Without faith, it's impossible Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the reason why you're feeling unpleasing to the Lord is not because you sin. It's because you don't have faith. He forgives sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what you've got is this unbelief that's just tearing you down, tearing you down. It's time to move in miracles. And the conduit for that is faith. Are you with me? Say yes. yes. Stand with me all across the room. I think I beat on you long enough. No.